Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyce, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And on the other end of the camera is Lisa Marie Plotsky. And Lisa Marie uh, is joining us from Kentucky. She was telling me she had her big, heavy sweater on because it's like 28 degrees today. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Lisa? I'm well. I'm well. I'm warm in my sweater, which is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is a good thing. It's just like having a down comforter at night on you. It's really nice. Those are the best. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell my listeners a little bit about you. Um, She's an award-winning leadership expert. Um, She's received accolades from the United States Small Business Administration and the International Alliance for Women, recognized as one of the top 100 women making a difference in the world. She left the federal law enforcement career to be a CEO of this international leadership development company, Upside Thinking. Um, she delivers presentations worldwide, sharing research on leadership and how vulnerability and forgiveness are critical to exceptional leadership. Member of the Forbes Coaching Council, international best-selling author of seven books and regular contributor to Forbes.com. She coaches leaders around the globe to make a bigger and more positive impact on the planet. And when she's not travel traveling, She's taking walks in the woods, maybe not this time of the year, with her husband, Jim, on their farm in central Kentucky. Well, again, a pleasure having you on. And and we're going to be speaking about your influential leadership blueprint, which I need to let my listeners know. Um, it will be downloadable for no cost. Um, it's got a value of almost $200. So I'm going to encourage everybody to go to the link that we're going to provide. Um, because that's what we're going to be speaking about. As much as she's authored many books, and you can type her into Amazon and you can look up all those books, um, she really believes in this. Um, it's a kind of a, a very quick kind of tool people can do to kind of a self-diagnosis um, and find, as we were saying before, coming on the air, some solace and um, some peace with inside themselves, because that's what you do. So Lisa, I think it'd be good if you told the listeners a little about yourself, your journey in finding purpose and meaning in your own life, and then becoming a leadership coach that's really helping. And it's, it's not only women, but it's a big percentage of women um, finding meaning and purpose in their life as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Greg. And I, 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 you know, I, I appreciate you using those words, you know, the, the solace. And I feel like that's part of the journey for me. I grew up in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania was the, by a single mom who I, you know, I, my sister and I just, the three were, you know, we were like the three musketeers and spent time together. And, you know, it was a, 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 a journey where there was, not a lot of um, expectation, I guess you could say, you know, the only time that, you know, coaching was talked about or leadership was talking, talked about uh, was in, in terms of my, one of my sister's sports programs. So not something that I had a background on um, and came to the coaching world from federal law enforcement and, um, not also a, a, a non a non typical a non typical journey 
and loved, you know, loved that, that experience that actually brought me to, to where I, to where I am. And because of my mom and wanting, you know, watching her trade in so many pieces of her dream to be able to take care of us, there is this desire for me and why the influential leadership blueprint so important is because Everyone has the ability to have influence, to influence somebody, to make a difference, to have something that's theirs to do. And uh, that's what I'm hoping that this this actually provides. Well, I'm sure it will. And again, we're going to mention it several times, but the blueprint is no cost to anybody. And, you know, you mentioned in the upside leadership journey that you encourage your clients to be brave, brave enough to go for who they have been and brave enough to transform themselves. Um, You, as you said, were a federal law enforcement officer on the piers in Newark, uh, New Jersey, the five boroughs in New York City. What happened in your life to transform you and improve your skills and emotional intelligence to become what I would consider more of a compassionate leader? I know law enforcement is can be very rough sometimes. It can be very rigid. It can be, you know, and you look at a female in this, especially too, it's even uh, quite unusual. Um, And, you know, you carry these biases and these biases are really tough to get rid of and they become ingrained in part of it. I know you, I know right now you're probably busy as can be. And if you aren't, be surprised working in the law enforcement arena because it needs more and more reformed today than ever before. You know, if we look at all the things that have happened, you know, the guy that was just convicted for shooting the lady coming in her house in Texas, you know, there's story after story after story after story about law enforcement people. And I don't, I've never been, but I, I must think that much of this is brought on either by fear, right? Because in certain circumstances, you know, they literally are put up against their own fears. What would you say to the average person listening today who's not even in law enforcement, but at the same time, you know, to have more vulnerability, more authenticity? Uh, You know, Brene Brown, I'm a big listener of hers. I'm sure you are as well. But, you know, to be a good leader, you need to be that. But in law enforcement, we don't always see that. Yeah, I, you know, it's really, really interesting because law enforcement was not, I, I didn't expect what was, what happened in law enforcement to happen for me. And um, the guys at one point did not want to work with me. They were not, you know, they weren't thrilled to have me there. And so, um you know, when you talk about what I did to be able to transform, I went into leadership assessments. I went into looking at what is it for me to be able to transform myself into a leader that would be worth following. And when I took these assessments, Greg, the results were not like what, you know, I, I thought, oh, you know, they're going to, I'm going to, not pass these, but I'm going to excel at this. And what ended up happening was I scored a zero. I scored a zero at an interpersonal skills assessment. And in that assessment, it had me really reflect on, okay, so Lisa, you might be smart and tough. You might be strong and right, but 
you're going to be alone and dead if you don't figure out how to connect with people, if you don't figure out how, to, out how to transform yourself into something else, because the guys didn't want to work with me. They didn't see me as somebody who was a contribution. They didn't see me as somebody who had the ability to make a difference. And so it didn't really matter what I thought about me to be able to, to be the kind of leader that was going to make a difference there. I had to, to learn how to connect. I had to learn how to operate in that culture. And when you ask about, you know, this idea of vulnerability, you know, I'm an applied scientist. That's what I say. You know, an applied scientist who likes etymology. I love the history of words. And what I learned about myself is that I'm very committed to mercy. And that if mercy comes before justice, then it works out really well for me. And that's how I got involved in the forgiveness work. Because in the beginning, I wasn't a compassionate leader. You know, it was very, very black and white. It was very much, um, you know, um, this is the way to do things. This is the right way to do things. And as you speak about, you know, law enforcement, what happened as I recognized that that created more walls and didn't allow me to be able to make a difference, I had to learn more about me and get more vulnerable with me first um, in order and, and forgive the things in me in order for me to then transform and be able to see what was good in others. And, and so, you know, for all the things that you share, you know, you're right. There's an element that's almost unreasonable in law enforcement and asking officers that are human to be superhuman or to not give them tools and techniques to be able to better understand human behavior to, to better be in the grips of vulnerability and connection because it's just seen as something that is, is, um, is not necessary, you know, in, in, in confrontation. And quite frankly, it's the thing that actually made a huge difference for me when I made that transformation for myself in opening doors in law enforcement and in the business community. Well, one of the things is self-compassion, you know, and I'm not certain that if people, if you looked at the trajectory of somebody going in law enforcement, that self-compassion is really what they were brought up with. Um, you know, I don't know all the profiles you do better than I, and it doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man, but, you know, anybody kind of going into law enforcement or going into the military or more, they're profiled. They're kind of profiled, right? It's like they got to be tough. They got to be resilient. They've got to have this arena. You know, this time of year, though, what you see happening is philanthropists throughout the country, and you can see stories more than one, where the law enforcement officers are handed $100 bills to go out and just give them to anybody that they know on their beat, mm-hmm. right? And it, it really always surprises me because, you know, they'll take these video cameras and video the people and they're just so surprised that a law enforcement person is going to come up and give them a gift because they're always thinking, oh my God, I'm in trouble. 
right? The first is, oh, you know, and the, the surprises on their faces when you see that is is amazing. What it, you I said that you're a compassionate leader and that your emotional intelligence is extremely high. Um, and I know we know all the studies that have done. What advice would you give about vulnerability, being a compassionate to yourself, being a compassionate leader with others, uh, having a high degree of understanding and listening skills, uh, because it requires a lot of listening um, if you're going to be a good leader, and then nurturing the relationships necessary um, in that nurturing element, because it's it's a lot of times, you know, that's about how you gain trust. And I'm really interested in knowing how do you approach getting a high degree of trust um, utilizing these elements? You are, you are so spot on and trust is, trust is that key component. Once somebody trusts you, they're willing to share just about anything with you. And if they don't, there's very there's very little you're going to be able to open to do to be able to open a door that needs to be opened and and I feel that that served me really well um and it goes back to me to the realization that every single person wants to be valued appreciated and loved everybody wants the same three things and nobody wakes up in the morning and says i hope today's the day i get it wrong i hope today's the day that it doesn't work out for me i hope today's the day that i fail like that just doesn't happen and so when you speak about you know compassion and and emotional intelligence and trust i see it as you have to first see each person for their humanity. And when you talk about the surprise in somebody getting that, that um, $100 bill or that, that gift card from an officer, it's because what they see is only one faceted. They see the uniform or the disciplinarian and they don't see the humanity. They don't see the individual with the family or the, or, or the, um, the hopes and dreams that they had that, um, that may have been exactly the same as theirs. And when you speak about trust to, to actually open the door to trust so that you can have those components, you know, trust is not something starts with an, with other. It starts with, with, um, it starts with self and it starts with even the smallest decisions, which is, are you in integrity with yourself? Do you, do you say what it is? Do you actually do what you say you're going to do? And if you, make a mistake and don't do that, do you go back and apologize also to yourself? That is that is the simplest and the tiniest and the most practical way to be able to build trust, trust with self before you can open the doors with others. And so I see it as without personal integrity, how can somebody possibly trust you? How can they believe that you're going to do what you say you're going to do? And so when you talk about that, whether it be in communities or whether it be in businesses, um, that is the groundwork, the foundational components for someone to be a compassionate leader with emotional intelligence. Now, 
that may come, you you takes a degree of self-awareness in order to be able to understand that and ask oneself those questions. But without personal integrity, you, you you'll never get to to trust. Well, you've you've also got another element around our emotions, and that's um, this interplay with ego. And I think you have to really respect ego. In other words, you have to learn to live alongside of it. It's never going away. Many officers, and just not just officers, but many people in places of leadership, they they get there because they've had a strong ego. Um, on the other hand, they know how to control that ego uh, to create a better relationship. And they're open to listening. Uh, and they don't always have to be right. Um, although the ego will say, hey, you know, you're, you're trying to be right. Um, and the first way to build that trust with people is not always thinking you're right. Um, that is a great way to allow people inclusion. And this brings me to this, the upside, the upside thinking download that we're going to provide to the listeners. And you ask them to answer three important questions. Um, can you speak about the questions and why in your estimation, and we'll get to the principles, but these are the questions. Why in your estimation are those questions so important? And they're right up front. I'll just tell everybody right now in this downloadable blueprint that you're going to be able to get. And um, so let's talk about those three questions. Sure. So those three questions are all about the why and why something matters, because if you're not clear why something is ma- matters to you, you can't actually take action on it. And so those questions are designed to tap into, first off, what it is that you want, your vision, your vision for where you want to go. Um, you know, influence in looking at influential leadership influence is simply having people follow you it's having uh, um it, in in being able to understand why is that important to you what is it that you actually want who are you that's really what the those questions are all about to provide a framework before you actually get into the three principles So um, then let's let's talk about it. That's the whys, right? That's mm-hmm, the part sure. of the whys. Um, then there's these three principles that are part of this download as well. Um, and let's talk about the first one. All right. um, stop doing what you have been taught. Um, uh, how does this principle help the listeners or anybody get closer to our goals that are in alignment with our values and our purpose. Well, Greg, you've met lots of people in your life. And I would say that from the people that I've met, most people operate life on autopilot, just walking out every day and and going out and and, and wandering around, going to the bank, driving someplace there are so many people who are, whether they're in their car or whether they're at home doing 
something on a routine, not a routine because they've created it because they're saying, I put this in my calendar to do it at this time, but rather they're just operating life on autopilot without truly understanding this is the reason why I take this action. And to be able to do that, to, to be intentional and to understand this is what it is that I want. Um, well, that's, uh, that takes energy. It takes effort. Being intentional is, is oftentimes thrown around as a word. This idea of actually really having non-negotiables in your life and saying, no, these are the agreements that I've made. This is the code that I have for my life. This is how it is that I operate. So stop doing what you're taught. What that does is it has you question everything that you're doing and understand why do you do it. I remember this is going to sound like something's just so so simple. Can I, but I, can I like, ask you a question? Sorry for sure, interrupting. Sure, but, no. You know, frequently exercises like these, like it's a blueprint. You're going to go and mm-hmm. answer questions. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many books have had questions at the end of them and answer mm-hmm. these questions and it's going to do. And I would say, you know, based on being in this business, as long as I have almost a thousand interviews on personal growth and business and wellness and spirituality, that it takes effort. It takes effort to want to do what we're talking about. The effort normally occurs when somebody has something troubling them, pain that they want to get out of because the pain is greater than the effort that it's going to take to relieve the pain. Okay. Um, In your estimation, you know, you're saying stop doing what you've been taught because you're on autopilot and you're just kind of moving around. There's a, a sense that I think we ought to let everybody know that that requires a, a big step. I mean, it's like a big step. It really is to make that. And the changes you're going to make are going to be significant by just doing the work, right? They say, show up, do the work. You're going to have to do the work. And I know I may be going on a bit about this, but I really do understand how much we resist it. Um, It is something that's resistant because the body is kind of built to go back to homeostasis. It says, oh, great, you know, I want to be comfortable. Well, the reality is if you're not in some discomfort, you're probably never going to do this, right? I I could reach out over the screen and just give you a big hug for that because, Craig, <laughs> you're so right. Like, that's that's it. Like, one of the one of the pieces I speak about a lot is comfort doesn't change the world. You know, exactly. It, it just, it, it doesn't. And so me to get to this didn't come because, you know, I was sitting someplace and went, Oh, just stop doing what I'm taught. It's like, no, I started to question everything because I was in such discomfort and such pain in where I was that it was like, what's the answer to get me out of this? And so if, you know, if, I hear people speak about leadership and yeah, yeah, I want to be a better leader. Yeah, I want to have influence. Yeah, I want to be. And the reality is it means that where you're at right now 
isn't going to be what's going to get you and take you to where you want to go. So that requires change. And when I feel when I'm getting too comfortable with something, I'm like, uh oh, this is not good, you know, because it means that that things are are stagnant. It means that I'm not there's there's not evolution, there's not growth, there's not change. And from from things as simple as you know, why do I drink water? Why, who said that I'm supposed to drink that much water? How much water do I really need? What does it do? When do I, I mean, as, as silly as that sounds, like every little action to go, what's the contribution to my greater good? Rather than just going, somebody said to do this at some point and me not having context as to what it does. By the way, I, I'm now in this kick, of, not kick, but I've been over the last two years, it's like one gallon of water a day based on my weight why not at meals, you know, at room temperature, all these things that I've learned for yeah. me. Right. Yeah. I, I, and the water is a great, it's a very small example and it's a very small step, but it's a step in the right direction based on, you know, what you want to accomplish. Right. I say everybody's an individual. Not everybody's going to follow the same blueprint. But they're going to list, ask themselves and elicit questions around the why. Why is it that you're doing? When you start um, thinking about your own thinking is when you can actually make a shift. I mean, you don't have to believe everything you think. So all of a sudden, you know, you've made a thought and then you go, hey, I, you know, I believe that thought. Or if you really think about your thinking, right, they call this metacognition. That's the term for it. That is what gets you to make better decisions. And that's what we're talking about here. Now, the second principle is to move three things a mile. You mentioned that doing one thing uh, well can produce exponential results. How do we get out of the trap of having so much of our, so much on our plates and focusing on the most important elements in our life? Because you were a single mom, you know. No, you, not me. My mom. Oh, oh your mom. Your yeah, mom was mom. a single mom. But so look at all the stuff she had to do. She's mm-hmm. raising new kids. She was working. She was trying to get all this put together. And I see single mothers a lot, whether it's being profiled somewhere. You know, actually, last night they were being profiled on Lisa Ling. Uh, this is life. Um, it's It's tough. Right. But for them to get out of the pain and suffering that's required, it requires them to take these steps. So what I'm going to ask you is the, how do we move these three things a mile? Moving three things a mile. First, you have to know what those three things are first before yeah. you actually can move anything. And the second thing is a, what I see as a personal agreement. You hear, you mentioned the ego earlier. And so, and you mentioned, you know, the, the voices that actually help somebody propel. And so the mind can be, is incredibly powerful and you don't have to believe every thought or act on every feeling. And yet there are, there are so much time spent looking at what has happened in the past and what potentially will happen tomorrow. And 
spending time living right here and right now means I have to value the here and now. I have to see the here and now, you know, no distractions. You and me, Greg, and listeners, and that's it. Like no phone on a lap, no um, side conversation going on, no typing anything, no just being present here. And in order for me to be present here for you, I had to value me being here. And I had to set myself up prior to this to physically be present and be here. And so I learned that when I was in the government, when I would, I had a, uh, I was a, um, I was a supervisor and I was uh, in a small office and there were six people outside. And when somebody would come in, I would be on my computer and I would look my head up. I would lift my head and just look over a little bit and they would be asking me something and I would be talking. And one of my employees said to me, you don't pay attention to me when we're having a conversation. And I was like, sure I am. Like I heard everything you said and I can, and what I got in that moment that I went back to the examination, which goes back to principle number one, was this idea that multitasking was a thing and that it was effective. And I had to go to the research and go, actually, it's not. It's <laughs> and the not. percentages go down tremendously in how effective you are. And number two was, it's what message am I sending by also trying to be in two places at once when it comes to another person. And it sends the message that you're not valuable. Your time's not valuable. What right. you have to say isn't valuable. And so the first thing is committing to living in the here and now and understanding that right here, all you've got is this moment. You don't have any, any other moments. You only have this moment. There's not, there, there is nothing else other than. But right doesn't here. that have to do with the value you place? I mean, think about this for a minute. I've done exactly what you've done a zillion times. I've run companies with employees. People come through the door. You know, you're supposed to be, in the olden days, they used to say the shell answer, man, you were supposed to be able to give all, all the answers, <laughs> right? Um, and like you, working on a computer or working on something or on a phone or trying to concentrate on something. So the distraction, number one, is is important if you're going to set yourself up as a leader and, you're, and you have an open door policy, then you need to realize that that, that you have to let people come in. You have to let them come in and you have to say, or you have to say, hey, look, I'm busy right now, but I would like to talk with you. Can you come back at two o'clock and we'll meet and we'll do that, right? Because I give you my full attention and I want to give you my full attention. And so this comes to value. That's where I was going. When you have these competing values about you know, Lisa walking through the door, but I'm on the computer sending an email to Bob and Bob is more important because Bob is going to be the next deal for the company where Lisa is working for the company and she can wait, right? It's just, it's these competing um, values that you have going on all the time. What, because you've, you know, you've been there. What advice would you give to people today that are and I know the whole statistics on multitasking, it just doesn't work. Um, we know that. You can't do 
or anything effectively more. And I think that statistic is like two things at a time, but really whatever the number is, Microsoft's done studies, everybody's done studies. We know that it's like, it, it doesn't work. What advice would you have for them? Go, you, you are, you mentioned the word and that is core values. What are your core values? What are the things that are your greatest drivers and being really clear what those are and being willing to communicate that, you know, in, in my organization, it's excellence, accountability, personal responsibility and service. And so if something has to, uh, you know, there are times when even people on my own team with me as the CEO say, you know what? Here's what's gone going on, and I'm going to take care of this client, and I'm going to get back to you on this. The communication is still happening, just like what you what you had had shared about. Okay, giving the example with Bob, or this is the person who's the employee, and so I think you've got to really be clear on what your values are, and then you have to be willing to be in communication in order to live out those values. Here's the reason why I made this choice. Um, is one choice better than the other? And the answer is not necessarily. It's being able to communicate and articulate what that is. In your scenario, in going back to Bob and saying, you know what, Bob, I know that this is really urgent and I've got, you know, Lisa sitting here in my office and uh, give me 10 minutes. And if Bob comes back and says, no, this is the reason why I did this, because our company values are, you know, um, putting the, putting the, uh, uh, making people feel valued, making people feel important. And that's what I, in, that's the reason why I made that decision. It's Bob's responsibility then to come back and go, no, that actually didn't work. You should have done this. But what I find is that sometimes people struggle to make a decision. And when you understand what the priority is, the number one priority, and you've been asking that in an organization, you make choices based on whatever that whatever is the greatest value in the organization. And for some organizations, it's people. And for other organizations, it's not. It's bottom line. And, and in individual teams, it's the same thing. There's a certain culture and value. And when you understand what their number one driver is, you can make choices accordingly. You know, that's that for me is you know, how you can ensure that you're not trying to do three different things at the same time. You're not trying to multitask and make everybody happy. You actually have some sort of order, but you're also communicating why you're making these decisions. Well, we do recognize that routine is valuable. Um, and I want to make a statement then, and we'll go on to the last principle here that if you are mindful, and if you, I'm not saying you have to practice meditation, but the meditation has a, has an opportunity to bring the awareness, um, a greater awareness about what's going on, and you're setting your day up. So if you're practiced, if you wake up in the morning and you jump out of bed and you don't do your gratitude journal and you don't do certain things that you've set up that are actually part of a routine that actually set your day up to finish with the intention that you had, right? You will find so much more peace, so much more calm if you do that. I can only say from experience that it just works. 
Um, and it because there is a higher power working with you. This is my spiritual side speaking. Um, that's literally helping you set that day up. Okay. And it does turn out a lot better. So let's talk about your third principle. Courage is often more important than expertise. I agree. Courage is very important. Speak with our listeners about your experience. And uh, you talked about camping with your sisters and your mom (laughs) and what you learned about how important courage was despite your fear. Well, I used to think that knowledge was more important than anything else. And when I look back at life, you know, starting with with some of those experiences with my mom, I recognize that that's not necessarily true. And so, you know, my mom was, you know, a single mom that would pack us up in the car and we'd go on these camping adventures and we did it because it was a, a low budget activity. And yet my mom would send my sister and I off into the woods and Going off into the woods when you're, I mean, gosh, my sister and I sometimes were eight and nine years old and there'd be noises in the background and there would be this, this certain amount of fear that would, would, you know, bubble up for me. Cause it's, yeah. who knows, it could be a squirrel, but it could be a bear, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, and you can't tell the difference in your eight year old mind. And, and so it, it, it gave me a certain amount of, um, what I would say, you know, resilience to, uh, to, to, to having the courage to still be out there and still be willing to be challenged to do what was, what was not always the easiest when we were on those adventures. And it led to me getting involved in adventure camps through, through the Girl Scouts and taking travels to places that I had no idea. I I wouldn't know any of the people and I wouldn't know what I would be getting myself into. And, you know, I remember one time, you know, going on one where I thought, I, and I, and I, and I so remember when I say to you, I thought it like, I remember thinking the thought outside, you know, no tent trying to strike these matches, you know, they had given me yeah. um, to build a fire with these couple of sticks that I had gathered and it just not working on me thinking like, what are you doing? Like what in the, like, what in the world? And, and then saying to myself, you can do this. Like you you know, if nothing else, you know, and you wake and you never start this fire, like you can do this, you can sleep out here. Because the other thought this, there's this part of my brain that's going, you know, run back to the, you know, you know, find somebody, find somebody, you know, you know, find, find a camp counselor and, you know, has got to be hiding around somewhere and, uh, and get yourself out of this mess, you know, and then there's the other part of me that's going, you know, you have the ability to do this, you know, you, you may not, um, you may not have all the tools, you may not have all the, um, all the knowledge, but you're, you're, um, you are wise and you are courageous and you are brave and you are able to do this. And, um, you know, I look at back at my life at the number of times where that was the case, where it was like, I wasn't the smartest person on the team, or I wasn't the person that had, um, you know, the, the greatest amount of, of expertise. And yet I had the, um, the, the, the internal desire to take action and taking that leap of faith, which truly was a leap of faith, um, allowed me to 
move forward with so many things. I, I, would, I wouldn't have written a book. I wouldn't have opened a business. I wouldn't have done any of those things. And yet I have conversations with people that are waiting for the next certification or the next class or the next something to to do before they're going to take their leap. It's like, it's not a leap of faith. Then if you actually wait until all your, you know, your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed, sometimes you just do it and you go, this is crazy. You know, this is nuts. You know, I, I have no idea how this is going to work out, but I can't wait to see. And perhaps it goes back to what you said about your, you know, the morning routine, which is, you know, I start off with getting on my knees and, and, and saying to God, like, here's my contribution today. You know, what's your, going to be because it's, it's, I don't know what the day is going to bring and I don't know what life is going to bring. And I, I see that courage is so much more important than the expertise because it's the willingness to put yourself out there into the uncomfortable situations so that you can affect change. You know, these three principles go back in a circle, you know, you transform, you focus, and then you, you, you use courage and then you go back and you transform again. And, and that's really what the leadership journey is all about. I'm passionate well, about this, Greg. <laughs> oh, it's it's good. And, you know, and we haven't talked much about love, but, you know, self-love is really where all this starts. And, you know, it, people say, oh, well, somebody had poor self-esteem, so they ended up this particular way or whatever. But you've got to love you before you can love anybody else. And if you can love you, what can end up happening is you'll find that you have a lot more risk tolerance, right? You were talking about, oh, not taking the risk. You'll also find out that you're much more curious. Um, You might not be radically curious, but you're going to be curious. And like you said, if you're waiting for everything to line up perfectly before you take the next step, you're probably never going to take the next step. Um. You know, I'm just finished a book uh, called um, The Precipice of Life with mountain climbers that some of them have been up Everest 17 times. And they'll say, you know, when I was doing all these interviews and I thought this was interesting and some of the listeners may have already heard this, but they said, if you uh, you're not living unless you've faced death. So the interesting element there is I don't think we all need to go face death. Don't get me wrong by saying that. But I think that part of that statement is basically saying you have to risk to face something, right? And that's what's going to make you alive, right? I'm alive when I reach that top of Everest is what they're all saying. Or I'm alive when I climb the highest seven summits or and they really do get addicted to it, by the way. It's it's an addicting kind of thing. But the point is, is that you become alive. And whatever that is for you. Um, and I'm not certain that that aliveness is, uh, and, and I'm rambling on here, but that aliveness doesn't have to be found through you saying, take a psychosyllabin or, you know, go take ayahuasca or whatever, so that you can do that. In certain cases, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But for the most part, it's about you getting out there, you taking an action, and you doing something completely different than you've never done before. It's really that simple, something that simple. So with that, 
The Influential Leadership Blueprint provides people with the foundation to get started on their journey. Um, What are three takeaways that you want to leave the listeners with that they can implement into their lives today? Because this is the action part. This is all about action. So for me, number one is ensuring that you've got room. You create room for stillness and space. You, You can't you can't actually hear what it is you want unless there's stillness and space. For me, I happen to like taking God walks in the morning. Yes, even in the cold. Like I, I like to be out in nature and being outside. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an important, that's an important thing to take away. You know, you, you, um, you spoke about so many things. And, and when I think about, you know, what this blueprint is all about, uh, in, in terms of, of, um, you touching on, you know, self-love is that, you know, you've got to value you as the number one, as the most important in order to be able to take this journey and leading others requires you to lead your start with you and lead yourself first, which is the reason why these questions are asked in the blueprint. And so creating space for yourself so that you actually can hear Number two, ensuring that, you know, you make yourself the number one priority to really love you. And number three is to understand and to, and, and to recognize why you would take this journey is because the world needs you and your brilliance. You have something to offer that nobody else has, that nobody else can offer, that nobody else can provide in the manner in which you provide it. You know, I mentioned I'm more of an applied scientist. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the, you know, I, I, I try things out. I'm curious. You know, that is what the risk has done. But I wasn't always like that. You know, I was actually quite afraid of life and quite, um, you know, you, you grow up in a family where there's domestic violence. You know, you hear a noise and you you jump and you're scared. And um, and so these are things that I had to learn over time. They're, they're things that started with the simple and then became um, greater over time. So to remember that the world needs you wherever you are and whatever you're doing, because you have something, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, an important one to remember. Well, for my listeners, um, you're going to, we're going to have a link, but if you want to learn more about Lisa and her team and what they're doing, just go to upsidethinking.com. We'll put a link to that. There'll be a link to this free download blueprint that we've been talking about here for the last 40 minutes. And you can use that. You then can reach out to Lisa and her team um, just by going to the website and uh, going to their contact form or reaching out to them. Um, You'll also have information on the blueprint itself to be able to do that. Um, Lisa, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, um, talking about the principles, talking about your own personal journey, And also, most importantly, giving people tools that, again, we said it takes effort. I mean, there's tools in the tool shed. You might want to clean your yard, but if you don't pick up the rake and start raking the yard, you're never going to get those leaves raked up, right? So (laughs) I know a silly analogy, but it's true. There's always the, 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 the tools are there. So this blueprint is a tool in your tool chest. And I just want to say that if you take the time to pick it up, you have an opportunity to, you know, 
um, make a change in your life, right? So thank you. Namaste to you. Thank Thank you you to all of your team for the link on the website that we're going to put up again for everybody upside thinking. Uh, We've been talking with Lisa Marie about the influential leadership blueprint. Thank you, Lisa. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.